A tribe is actually, according to the IRS, considered a state. So that would be the closest equivalent other than another tribal government. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this show. Well, for today's show, we have another first for our podcast. We've had individuals from the list of most powerful women in accounting that's put out by CPA practice advisor before. In fact, several of them actually. But we've never had a guest from a Native American tribe, or at least that I'm aware of. Tasha Fox is joining us. And she's the controller for the Osage Nation in Oklahoma. And she was one of the individuals most recently recognized by CPA practice advisor on that list. I invited her on the show for several reasons, obviously due to being named on that list. But also, I found her career, her early career, particularly intriguing. And I wanted to find out more about how accounting with an Indian tribe may be similar in some respects and different in other respects than other accounting roles. And we do get into a rather good discussion on those points, actually. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. And if you do enjoy this episode, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but we're looking for an appropriate, and I stress the word appropriate, sponsor for our show. Someone that already has value that they're bringing to the market for people like you, the accounting community. Our podcast has been around over four years now, so I'm not in a big hurry. But if you are someone like that or know of someone like that and you want to talk, please reach out. I'm happy to have a conversation about it. And as always, if there's ever anything that I can do for you in your own career or for your accounting organizations, please let me know. I'm happy to help in any way I can. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started with today's guest. Here's Tasha Fox. Well, hello, Tasha. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. It's so good to be here, and I'm excited to do this podcast with you today. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, for the audience today, we have a guest from the list of most powerful women in accounting for 2020 that's put out by AICPA. Tasha Fox, a CPA that's the controller for the Osage Nation, which is a Native American tribal organization, is our guest for this episode. I invited Tasha on the show because of a few things, actually, that I noticed about her earlier career history that that really piqued my interest, as well as the role she has currently. I'm going to admit, as we get started here, I'm very ignorant about many things, and workings of the Indian nations here in the United States is definitely one of those. And Tasha said she's going to be easy on me if I ask any sort of uninformed questions, but I'm asking you, the audience, as well, to give me the benefit of the doubt. Actually, one of the absolute best things for me about doing the podcast is I get to learn so much from our guests. It's definitely a learning opportunity for me also. Well, Tasha, before we get to what you do now exactly, I do want to make sure we cover your overall journey in some detail. So let's start at the beginning. What led you to decide to consider accounting as a possible career choice in the first place? Well, that's a really good question. I feel like I don't have the average individual's journey. Mine was a little bit off the beaten path. I graduated from high school and didn't really have a clear idea in mind of what I wanted to do. So I just started working immediately. I went to a temporary hiring agency and they found me a permanent position with a car dealership as the receptionist. So I sat out front and answered the phone all day long, Monday through Saturday. And 
had nothing to do but answer the phone. So I was bored and would go back to the controller and say, what do you got? I mean, you have to have something that I can do to fill in the voids. And she would give me work and gave me more and more work. And then by the time I had left there, I was in the back office doing full accounting functions. I was writing down inventory and doing accounts payable and working as a cashier. So my brain just absorbed it and I loved it. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I love accounting. And I recognized really quickly that you can get a job in accounting anywhere because I live in a very rural area, but everyone needs an accountant. So it doesn't matter what industry that you're in or where you want to go, you're going to be able to find a role somewhere. And then in addition to that, I recognized that it was a recession-proof industry. <laughs> Again, doesn't matter how much money you're making, you still have to account for your funds. So accountants are always needed. And right off the bat, I thought that I wanted to like work for either be a CPA with my own practice or work at a practice. So that was my goal all along. So I continued to work while I was in college and started going to college for my accounting degree. And I first got an associate's because I thought while I'm working and going to school, if I can say, well, now I have an associate's now, so can you pay me more? Or can I get a new job, make a little more while I'm going to college? Obviously, I'm very (laughs) driven by monetary aspects. So as I just continued to go along, I continued to work and get better and better jobs. And by the time I was done, I had plenty of experience plus a master's and then got the controller role. And then while I was the controller, finished my CPA. And by the time I'm done with all my education, I have no desire to be CPA firm. I don't want to do public accounting. I love governmental fund accounting and having dabbled in different things along the way, I've learned that it's the most difficult type of accounting and therefore the most rewarding to me. And we also working for a tribal government, it's kind of like working for the federal government. A lot of what the funds that they deal with are welfare. So you kind of feel like you're giving back while you're working as opposed to just working towards being in the black and earning revenue. So that's a little bit about my background and the transition forward. I don't know if you want to stop me so you can lead the conversation. No, that's great. Thank you. That's a mm-hmm. wonderful overview. I'm curious. I wanted to touch on the associate's degree because I know we've hit on it with some guests, but it's been a long time since we had a discussion around that. I like your rationale, you know, that maybe if I get this first, then, then it can help me make more you know, along the way. I'm oh, yeah. curious, did the plan work? Was it? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I think so. I think it worked. Because I continued to work and I continued to make more and more money all along the way. And I was having friends that were already graduating. I'm a late starter because I worked at the dealership for, I can't remember now, I think two years. So I was two years behind everyone for sure. And so my friends were graduating and they were like saying, I'm making this amount of money and you're already making more and you're not even done with your education. I'm like, yeah, but I do have some education and I have the experience. In the accounting world, experience is more valuable than education. So I was doubling down all along the way. It was awesome. Okay. Yeah, I'm curious. You mentioned that 
It sounds like even when you were working at the car dealership, that first job, you said you wanted to get your CPA all along. I always like Mm -hmm. to look for the good of the profession, frankly, I like to investigate what encourages people to get into accounting and get their certification and that kind of thing. What do you think it was? What influenced you to know about the CPA certification that early and to decide that was the path (laughs) before you even had your associates, you know? Well, I don't recall my exact motivation, but I think what I was probably thinking was that that's how you go all the way. To get all the way there, you get your CPA. And along the way, at some point as I'm going to college and I'm getting more experience, I realized I didn't want to work in public accounting. And so I never lost the value of the CPA though, because while I'm moving along in different jobs as I'm getting more experience and going to school, I got a lot of quizzes and interviews. I had to take like full-on handwritten exams for some positions. And now sometimes I was just doing interviews and never accepted roles, but I was getting practice. And then some, I was asked verbally accounting questions. So I was like, I want this to be over. If I have my CPA, no one's ever going to question my knowledge. Like they will know that I have my education and I fully understand it. And I will forever be ethical and held accountable because I'm always going to protect that because of how hard I worked for it. So I wanted to prove that I knew my stuff and I could be trusted. So Yeah, that's a good point. It is sort of the ultimate proof. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, this certification, that's that's a good point. For sure. Good point. Okay. You gave us a good summary of your career and you mentioned becoming controller and I take it that's your current position is what you were referring mm-hmm. to, right? Okay. Well, yes, were sir. there any key jobs that you had along the way while in the school between the auto dealership and your current position that where you feel like I really learned a lot there? I'm glad I had that experience or anything that would be beneficial to talk about in the middle? For sure. I absolutely learned something everywhere. I would say... I don't know, the most I brought away from one job, it was a job that I actually didn't like. And the company ended up selling and I was one of those that was laid off. They laid off the highest paid salary employees. So I got laid off. So on one hand, I'm losing my job and the other, I'm kind of flattered. But (laughs) it was a software as a service company. So they wanted experienced accountants so that most of the time when you're calling into a call center, they don't necessarily know the industry or know the work. So they were trying to hire accountants to be able to take the calls, take the email tickets and provide actual accounting knowledge when someone's calling in saying that their software isn't working. Well, I learned a couple things from that. One, I learned that (laughs) that is absolutely stressful to me because of the unknown. You never know who's going to call and what Fortune 500 company CFO is going to be on the other line. And that was super high stress, not knowing what to expect. And then I also learned that I like to do accounting. I don't want to have to figure out what's wrong with the software or why a report isn't in balance because of coding. I want to actually do hands-on accounting. And then the third thing I learned is how to be demanding of your software and always ask for more because that's what I was getting all the time. So basically, I learned an appreciation for behind the scenes and pushing the boundaries. And when a company tells you our software can't do that, well, keep asking because you might get it if you're a squeaky wheel. And I've benefited from that a ton 
as the controller, for sure. I've done a lot of system implementations. And again, knowing that they don't always hire someone with accounting experience, they might just not be understanding you. So you have to keep pushing until you get what you want. That's a good point. Yeah, asking for more from your software really means asking for more from your software vendor. (laughs) Absolutely, yes. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense, definitely. Okay. So you touched a little bit on your current role about how you're similar to a federal government job. And actually, I hadn't thought about the welfare funds aspect of it and sort of the serving the public or serving the tribe, I guess, Mm -hmm. aspect of it as well. So tell us, I guess, about your role. I have no idea how large the Osage Nation is or is it just you in accounting or do you have a department of 100? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, tell us about it. Okay, so the Osage Nation is a little over 20,000 members. We receive, the government itself receives on average around 30 million a year in non-tribal funds. So primarily it's going to be federal, but there are some state and grants that we do get. Then our casinos also generate funds, and so we get a distribution from our casinos of, on average, around $50 million each year to operate our government. The government has about around a little less than 500 employees at all times. It's made up of around 100 programs that provide all sorts of benefits to not just our constituents, but also the local public and the economy and the road infrastructure in general. Now, this year, we got additional funds for CARES. Federal government gave the Sage Nation over $56 million to aid in assisting with the coronavirus. So that was a little atypical, but that's how much we can provide for our communities, because we're not just in one town. We're in like all of Osage County. So it's several towns and districts and areas that we can benefit. The accounting department, well, there's a treasury department and the accounting department falls within that. So we do have a treasurer and that would be my supervisor. He has an assistant and I have a staff of about 12 direct report and one of the direct reports has five. I think in total there's 21 positions in our department. But we don't just do accounting. We also do procurement and receiving and inventory. So we do a lot of control. We have to at least abide by the federal government guidelines, but we always try to do a little better so that we have great accountability because we have, you know, our own constituents that we're reporting to, not just federal entities that we have to report to as well. So yeah, it's a big department, a lot of work. Okay. So you've got some of the, I guess, typical departments, a town or city, <laughs> you would have. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A tribe is actually, according to the IRS, considered a state. So that would be the closest equivalent other than another tribal government. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. So being the controller is similar to being the controller for a small state. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. All the we casino- are a sovereign oh. nation. Does all the casino accounting ultimately flow through your department as well? No, it is separate. It is a component unit in our audit. So we do have some LLCs. We have a ranch. We have a home health. We have a foundation, several little entities. We have some 8As, and those are all component units. Their accounting is separate. 
Okay. Well, thank you. One of the things I wanted mm-hmm. to ask about is yeah. what are the differences in doing accounting for a Native American nation versus another government agency or nonprofit? It just sounds like your area is, uh, there's a lot of diversity and a lot of variety. <laughs> what you oh, do. yes, absolutely. <laughs> I have basically exposure to all kinds of transactions and policy and Though every award that we get has its own stipulations that we have to abide by. So, and you have to account for those funds separately. You cannot commingle your funds. So, your accounting software is set up so that each fund is accounted for individually. That's why they call it fund accounting. And, you know, we follow governmental accounting standards. So, it's all the same. Accounting is all the same, but different. But the transactions require more detail and getting your reports to be all-inclusive and then individualized requires more report settings. And so I just enjoy all of the extra little details that go into it. It's fun. Okay. Okay. Is there a political component to it similar to, well, I am trying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm asking exactly, to be perfectly honest. Okay, you said yes. <laughs> yes, it, there's absolutely a political environment. So we are a tripart government. We have our judicial branch, our legislative branch, and our executive branch. The treasurer reports to the legislative and the executive branch. Myself as an employee, I'm in the executive branch. So my role, our department's role, 95% of the employees are all under the executive branch. Our courts are under the judicial and our Congress is in the legislative, obviously. And then we have like an internal auditor called Office of Fiscal Performance and Review is with legislative branch. So obviously our legislature writes law and they have the purse strings. So they appropriate the funds and they do that annually. And so the executive branch carries out and fulfills the law and the funds and how they were designated to be spent. So, of course, there's politics. It's like the Democrats and the Republicans, we do our best to work for our constituents, but there are always going to be people are thinking about their votes when they're voting their votes to get reelected or to get elected in general. So, all the, of course, all that's involved. To me, it's super easy to keep it separate because politics shouldn't be involved in accounting. And anytime they try, that's what your policy and procedure is for. And you say, I cannot break this. So your politics can't affect me because I have to abide by this. And as soon as you make me break it, then I just, you know, interject all the scary things that could possibly happen and go wrong and cause us to lose funds. You can lose awards. And if you don't get a good audit, you won't get future awards. The federal government doesn't want to give any entity that isn't performing well any funds. They only want to make sure that their funds are being carried out as expected. So it's easy for me to separate the two. And it's easy to stay out of the politics because you're so busy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's one of the benefits of accounting for sure. That's Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I'm curious. You you had some positions that were outside of a tribe, it looks like. Maybe I'm not reading mm-hmm. that right. Yeah. But, and you decided to stay with or come back into a tribal organization when there's the whole world of opportunity. Period. There's so many things you can do with an accounting background. You know, it, it was obviously a choice. What led you in that direction? Or I guess what's behind you making that decision? Well, 
several things. It's more rewarding to work for, and I haven't worked in nonprofit, but I've worked for tribal governments. And it's more rewarding because you're working, like I know that I'm going, not directly, but indirectly, I'm going to help someone. What I do in a roundabout way keeps families warm, puts roofs on houses, puts food in bellies. So I can work harder and feel more drive working for a government than I can for a privately held company. In addition to that, I am Osage, so I'm giving back to my own people. And the Osage Nation paid for my education. And they even gave me a stipend to help towards my CPA. So I don't feel that I owe them because they didn't expect anything in return. But I think it's only right that when somebody did something for you that you should get that. So I'm able to live where I'm from and have a great job and feel really good about it and still make good money. So, I mean, it's a win-win all around. (laughs) Okay. I caught that earlier. It sounded like you got a lot of satisfaction out of what you do, but Mm -hmm. maybe this is too strong, but it almost sounds like a calling with you. (laughs) I was meant to serve. I mean, it was never in my plan. It wasn't part of my plan. I knew that I wanted to be in nonprofit or somehow in a position that I felt like I was giving back because when you work in for-profit, I had the feeling of, what am I getting out of this? Like, yeah, I'm getting a paycheck, but it doesn't feel good. Like, I don't know. It, it, I just wasn't finding enough reward. Sure, sure. You sound like several people, I know it's, it's a little different, but several people I've talked to that have made a career in nonprofits, just that, mm-hmm. that extra fulfillment that they receive out of it. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, I spend, basically, my life is work. Like, I work hard so I can afford to ride horses. <laughs> But I have to work a lot of hours to be successful. So it feels better knowing that I'm putting all this time and energy and losing time with my horses, losing time with my family, because it's for a greater good. And you don't get that just working for any company. At least I don't, personally. I had to laugh a little bit. My daughter, when she was younger, was very interested in horses. And I am so glad that she dropped that because I started to realize how expensive (laughs) it can be, actually. (laughs) Yes. The horse itself, not so expensive. All the things that you need. (laughs) Yeah, it all adds up big time. And never stops. Never stops adding up. (laughs) I think you touched on this earlier, but just in case there's more... How has becoming a CPA benefited you in your career? What are your feelings about that? Because you talked about, you know, wanting to go into public accounting and then deciding, no, definitely not. And and I think that's a common misconception with people that, well, if I'm not going to go into public, I don't need a CPA. And personally, I believe that's, you know, the farthest thing from the truth. How do you feel it's benefited you? Well, first and foremost, I did get a raise. (laughs) (laughs) There's that. But it also gave me more confidence. One thing that I noticed with being in management now is doing accounting without a degree or those who do accounting without a degree are super capable. Those who do accounting with a degree, but maybe not necessarily as much experience, they're not more capable, but they are more confident. Education provides confidence that you can't replace. So although you can do accounting without a degree and without a CPA, For the most part, what I've witnessed is the confidence isn't there. So my team, those who don't have a degree, they know what they're doing, but they always are second guessing themselves and they're always afraid to make a mistake. 
So I'm constantly saying everything can be fixed. I've got your back. Ultimately, I'm responsible. Just click around and figure it out. You'll be fine. But no matter what I say, it doesn't sink in. The confidence just isn't there. And then, you know, a brand new graduate will come in and we'll be just like zipping right along and no questions asked and feeling super confident, not false confidence. They're genuinely confident. So there's that. And then also personally for me, having a CPA means when I'm asked a question from when politics are really thick and I'm being asked a question from the other branch, they have to believe me and trust me because I'm a CPA. And even everyone will say that in the meeting. Well, the CPA said, so why are you second guessing or why are you making these conversations difficult? If Treasury told you, then it's true because they are CPAs and we have hired them for a reason. So it gives other people confidence, I guess, or it should. Yeah. Yeah. One of our previous guests from the IRS actually was talking about that, and she could have done her job just fine without that, but she was talking about how it really gives you a voice at the table that people listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely that definitely makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple other questions before we get to the final three questions, because I do want to be respectful of your time and a couple other things I want sure. to ask. Thinking about your own future, How would you like to continue to grow as a professional? Is there anything that you're looking to expand your own knowledge in or what does the future look like? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm very goal-driven. After I finished my CPA, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. No more goals. (laughs) But now I'm already like, no, I need goals. Like, I'm not done. Like, I want another certification or I want to take some courses and learn how to do my own coding or do some programming because I am always finding that I'm not getting all my needs met as with reporting or with my software, not tying together. You get, you have a payroll software outside of your accounting software and you want them to link like automatically. Well, I am completely dependent on IT and the vendors and I can't do it myself. And I don't like that. So I'm really thinking that I haven't decided how to approach this yet, but I want to advance my technological abilities, basically. I don't want IT to be able to talk over my head and tell me, no, I can't have that with a bunch because they used a bunch of words that I don't know what they mean. I can't push back and say, oh, no, that's not correct. I just have to believe them. So I really want to learn how to do some more higher advanced, like learn SQL script or do some coding, possibly some programming without affecting internal control, of course. But that's what I'm researching right now. And that's what I'm hoping to start delving into soon. Sure. Okay. Going deeper with your own system skills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense. I actually, I know I've had previous guests that have mentioned similar things with respect to giving advice to people entering the job market <laughs> you know, to learn as much as Oh, possible. yeah. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Well, if you personally, you could go back in time and give your younger self just one piece of critical advice. So, you know, thinking about the past, I guess, what would that be? That's easy. So it wasn't until the role that I'm in now that I learned how to separate work, life, stress from the rest of my life. And so now I have mastered it. I can absolutely walk out the door and shut it off, or at least during the drive, somewhere along the drive before I get home, shut it off, get home. And I do not talk about work. 
even if somebody has a question of how was your work day? It was great. Doesn't matter what happened. It was amazing. Next topic. <laughs> so cutting on my advice is that work hard, do the best you can work late. But when you're home, you're home. Don't take work home. Don't bring it to your family. Don't talk about work unless you have to because somebody from work called you and it's part of your job to pick up the phone and answer those questions. I wish I would have learned that a lot sooner. Was it not simple, but I mean, was it as simple as you finally figured out how to make that decision or did something, I don't know, did something click I mean, for you? Or, uh-huh. Obviously, it wasn't simple because it took a long time for me to figure out how to do it, but it probably broke me. <laughs> I don't okay. think I learned how to do it on my own. I think I got broke where I had to. There was no option. I had to let it go. I had no choice but to let work go and just enjoy life as if I had no job when I'm at home because I just could not. I worked too hard and too much and exhaust myself. I mean, way too much to afford mentally, emotionally, physically to take it home. So yeah, it's not easy. It is not easy. What helps me is if I have to throw myself equally into something then at home, you know, as much as, so or focus mm-hmm. so much on something at home that I can't focus on, on what yeah. it was. But yeah. Yeah. So I'm lucky I have a hobby. Not everyone has hobbies. So that might be part of it. You need That's a hobby. Riding the horse. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. Okay. Yep. I have the barn. <laughs> Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, I do end every show with the same three questions, so we probably better get to those. Okay. First one's usually the easier one. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? My CPA, 100%. Although it's part of my education and not my career, it just overshadows everything, and I consider it part of my career. It was a full-time job getting my CPA. So, yeah, my CPA for sure. Wonderful. Makes sense. I wasn't sure if you were going to say the most powerful woman in the counting list or not. That No, my CPA. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that's super cool. It's amazing and awesome. And I'm very flattered, but I was just doing my job. So CPA, I worked for. There we go. There we go. Mm-hmm. Well, second question or request. Tell us about a lesson that you learned the hard way. And the more you can tell us about the situation, the better, because that's how we all learn from this. Oh my gosh. A lesson I learned the hard way. Yeah. Or a mistake that you made and what you learned from it. Sort of another Mm. way to say that. Gosh, I'm so perfect. I can't recall. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm kidding. Okay. I think that I've probably made most of my mistakes in management and not in actual accounting. Like I said, everything can be fixed. You're going to find any mistake that you made. But when you make a mistake in management, it's a lot harder to undo. People don't easily forget. And when you come in and you kind of set a tone, it's going to stick. It's going to be really hard to change your management style. And... I think that having so many different generations all working in my department, my management style did not work for all generations. So I've had to change and adapt to kind of try to fit all the generations in the office. But that's been a real struggle and I guess lesson hard learned because 
I came in assuming that my baby boomers would be fine with not having meetings and they would read all my emails. <laughs> that was not the case. And I also assumed that I wouldn't have to be hands-on because someone had been there 20 years and that wasn't the case. So my hard lesson was not sitting back, doing a little less and taking in the environment and seeing seeing how I need to approach. I just jumped in and hit the ground running and didn't really consider all the factors that would come into how I needed to be a manager. So that's been a struggle for me. And it probably always will be because my brain is an accountant brain. I do work. I have my head down and in it deep. And it's really hard to get my attention to deal with management issues. So that's always going to be a struggle for me. But yeah, sure. I have said to many people or said many times that they teach us to be great accountants in college, but we really don't learn that much about practical management. That's something that we <laughs> Apparently not. learned the hard way. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Okay. Best piece of advice. When I was working on my bachelor's degree, I broke up my studies with a minor that had nothing to do with business. I did Native American studies. Totally different. You know, break up the monotony. So one of our professors, his advice to the class was, go work for another tribe first. Don't go work for your own tribe right off the bat. So if you go work for another tribe, you're going to be subjected to the politics. And if you can't handle it, do not go work for your own tribe. You definitely won't be able to handle it. It'll be more difficult because it's going to be a lot more personal and they know you and you know them and it's going to be a lot more difficult and you won't be able to handle it. So that was the best advice I got. And I took that advice and it 100% gave me perspective and was 100% true. And I didn't immediately go from that tribe to my tribe, but I had some downtime to think, okay, that was hard. That was really difficult. Am I tough enough to handle it with my own tribe? And ultimately, I obviously decided I was, and I am. I can handle it. So that was the best advice I got. I didn't know it at the time, but it was. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, basically, you went somewhere else and sort of honed your skills and Mm -hmm. and came back Mm -hmm. a different person. So, wow. Mm -hmm. That's insightful as well. I tell you, I really learned a lot about you know, the Indian nations here or the inner workings from an accounting perspective. Yeah. I knew so little and I, I still know so little, but I know a lot more than I did 30 minutes ago. So, <laughs> yeah, so, well, you. it's a lot. Thank you. The staff in the office say that it takes three years to learn your job in accounting. Wow. Wow. Yep. Okay. Big learning curve, but yeah, it's exciting well, though. You. And it's, it's all interesting. Yeah, thank you. And also, honestly, I didn't count on quite as in-depth discussion about the value of the CPA certification. And I always love those discussions. <laughs> yes, <laughs> really good. Absolutely. Really, really glad you brought that in. Well, thank you very much. I know the audience is going to enjoy this one, and I did too. I really did. No problem. I had fun. Thank you. Well, that was my interview with Tasha Fox, and I know I alluded to this in the intro portion, but I really did learn a lot, and I hope you did too. This was an interview that I particularly enjoyed. And I know that also I mentioned this in the intro, but we are at the point now where we're open to 
a show sponsor. So it's not something that we're rushing into. And it definitely has to be a sponsor that has an appropriate offering for accountants. <laughs> it needs to be a sponsor that brings value to the accounting community. Otherwise, it'll just be a waste of audio space. And I promise not to do that. But if you're in a position where this kind of sponsorship may make sense to you, please feel free to reach out. I'm, I'm happy to have a conversation about it. Once again, I'm not in a hurry. It's been over four years, but I think it's about time to be open to that idea. And as always, if I can help you in your own career, please reach out. I've talked to several individuals actually recently about different career situations. We connect through LinkedIn or email and end up having a phone conversation. And I'm always happy to do that if we could squeeze it in. I enjoy trying to help where I can. And so please don't hesitate to reach out if you're in that situation. Well, with that, I think I'll go ahead and wrap it up for this week. My name is Mark Goldman. I'm the host for Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. We'll see you next week. There's more to come. Mm-hmm.